Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646 716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. It's another fine week, halfway through November, November 15th. It's Monday. We're so glad to have you joining us. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in the audio format that you can listen to Anytime and anywhere, and so many of you are doing that and telling others about it. Can't thank you enough. Our downloads are just crazy on the podcast. So a lot of it has to do with the first part of the format, how we give you a lot of information, try to tighten that all that up a little bit so we get it done in a timely manner. But also, the Hot topic segment is really getting a lot of downloads and traction. Today, we've got Peter Paglia, Chief Strategy Officer and Chief Revenue Officer for HomeBinder. Now, we're looking at tools as we look at the industry and we look at the market, you know, the refinances going away. How can we stay more in front of the customers we have? We know as an industry, most of us, this industry has actually got a terrible track record on repeat business, repeat customers. It's usually across the board. Some are doing better than others. So the purpose of this podcast and having Peter on um, is to talk about something you can do to stick with and keep and hold on to your customers. Joining me on the microphone again today is my co-host, Jack Nunnery. Jack, good to have you back, friend. Glad to have you be here with the podcast. Good to be here. It is. be fun. All right, folks, we also have Industry Syndicate. Grateful to be a part of that uh, segment. Syndicate, if you want to go listen to another, a lot of podcasts out there, check out industrysyndicate.com. Also, I want to say thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, as well as Finastra and their Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution. There you can experience the power of a fully integrated approach to mortgage lending. It simplifies the borrowing experience and streamlines the process for employees and your customers. And then also right behind that is Accelerate. They do a great job through their leading edge technology of connecting mortgage experts and their borrowers through a pre-designed campaigns. I got to tell you, Josh Fred has got a great approach to it. And when you combine these two technology solutions, excellent things start happening. Also, Lenders One, check out what they're doing. Justin Demolia was on in June. I was talking to him again just recently, as well as our friends over at the Mortgage Collaborative, TMC. Um, had a great conversation uh, with Tom Gallucci. Tom Gallucci. I just love it out of name. That's Italian. There must be some Italian genes in here. Every time I say his name, the Italian comes out. I want to go get some Italian food. But Tom Gallucci and the team there are doing a great job at Mortgage Collaborative. Of course, so is Justin Demolia. So. Check out both these co-ops. We belong to both of them. Encourage you to do the same. Also, the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, great association, as well as Knowledge Coop, which does a great job of helping you teach and train uh, your people through a learning management system. Learned about LMS from Alice Alvey many, many years ago. The importance of having a good LMS system or a learning management system cannot be understated, especially in this time where we have so much knowledge we have to transfer out to our people. So what solution are you using? Check out knowledgegroup.com. Also, when it comes to recruiting, we have two sponsors that do a great job at helping you in your recruiting efforts, Mobility MMI. 
Mortgage Market Intelligence, as well as Modex. Both of these companies, we use both of them, and many others are using both of these come. Like the two co-ops, uh, the Mortgage Collaborative and Letters One, these two work nicely side-by-side, working with you to help recruit top and lows. Also, getting metrics on your market or markets, and here's the most important part, markets you're considering going into. Who are the top real estate companies in that area? What are they really doing for business? Who are they doing business with in the mortgage on the mortgage supply side? All of that is inside of these two apps and into these two pieces of technology. So powerful, especially as you're looking at who do I want to really want to recruit? Is this recruit that's sitting here in front of me that I like so much? really produce what he says he does. Got to have these tools, folks. So important. Also then, SnapDocs. They do such a great job of working uh, when it comes to uh, e-signatures. So much about Docs. It's not, when you see the name SnapDocs, it can be slightly misleading. Go back and listen to the interview that we did with Vishal Rana uh, back in September 13th. It'll really give you insights. This is one of those leading technology companies that is really coming up. And I'm telling you, pay attention to what's happening at Snapbox. Amy Moses and I are good friends, and we're going texting back and forth and all the latest developments. So got to get them back on talking about it. Also, a special thank you goes out to, of course, my co-host Jack, as well as Rob, Les, Alice, Allen, and Matt for their contributions to this podcast each and every week. This week, we are missing an update from Rob Van Raphorst at the NBA. He uh, was unable to get a report into us, but we're grateful for the NBA. We just want to say this. Get, become a member of the NBA. Come on. Get, be a member. Be a member. There's so many things. Open Doors Foundation is one of those things I give into it. I encourage you to do so. There's so many things. But the most powerful thing is what's going on in the Hill. And through the Mortgage Action Alliance app, you can have your voice heard on the Hill as well. Encourage you to do so. See, more people are dialing in. Welcome as the dialing in. Also, those on a downloaded basis, appreciate you being here. Over to Les Parker with this week's macro view of the market and macro view of the markets and his music parody that's going down the same line. All right, Les, what you got for us? Here comes the high stepper. It's the CPI gangster. And we're in CPI danger. Still CPI that. TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy. The rapid CPI rise is extraordinary, like last year's huge drop. Only the five-year and three-year treasuries managed to post a new high yield on Friday. So the 10-year yield and Fannie Mae rates remain pointed to lower rates. The continued deterioration of Chinese real estate developer debt keeps China's economy weak. When coupled with dollar strength and oil weakness, look for lower rates. Will the 10-year yield visit 170 or 138 first? 138 looks like an easier target since the 161 to 169 is a significant barrier. Traders are yelling, lift the ask, buy it. These views are my own. Find them at tmspotlight.com. Na, 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 na. I love that. Anyway, that's good. Good job. I love that. Gary Canterbone, Les Barker, teaming up to great, create another great segment. Matt, Matt, did you hear what I heard in there? Did you hear what I heard, I did. Matt? Lower rate. Yes, I heard. Yeah, I, heard I love that. Rapping. I heard rapping in the background. Joining us on the microphone today live is Matt Graham, founder and CEO of MBS Live, a must-have app an application that sits on your desktop, on your iPhone, and anywhere and every device possible to get the latest market updates. 
unfortunately, Matt, what you're doing, what's showing on your screen is not lower rates. It's going the wrong way. What's up? What's up? No, but but I believe less. It'll it'll turn around. It has to, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, CPI, big deal last week. Definitely. Uh, it was an interesting day on Wednesday. It was an interesting week due to the veterans day holiday. One of the only two holidays, uh, and the first time in 2021 that we've had a midweek federal holiday. And then that always creates some weirdness when it comes to how traders participate. Uh, it makes the following Friday a bit weird as we have seen time and again in the past with Thanksgiving. And it basically meant that Wednesday was like uh, the day where everybody wanted to get out of town, either literally or figuratively. And that can sort of exacerbate some of the moves. And I think that it did to some extent uh, during the middle of the day. So CPI came along in the morning, much higher than expected. But notably, uh, the market didn't really react to it in an extreme way at first. It really sort of built in a weakness gradually heading into the 30-year bond auction. And I think that's what traders were even more defensive about on uh, Wednesday, because on Tuesday, the 10-year treasury auction didn't go super well. And uh, that sort of gave us the impression that the previous week's rally, and if you remember that one, that was the one that was driven by short covering and the Bank of England comments, that 10-year auction sort of suggested that we may have found the bottom of the current range and uh, needed to head back in the other direction, or we had exhausted the good graces of the short covering, short squeeze rally that uh, we talked about last week. So rates, yields rose heading into the 30-year auction, and then the 30-year bond auction was absolutely terrible. It was the biggest miss in terms of the actual auctions yield award versus the 1 p.m. win issued yield, which is sort of like the uh, expectation, if you will, the market's running expectation of where the auction should land. It was the biggest miss since 2011, and uh, other stats of the auction were exceptionally weak, and all that followed a big backup in yields throughout the course of the day. Those yeah. sorts of big backups in yields tend to make the auctions easier to bid on, not harder. So the fact that it was still very weak really underscored the uh, reality that the previous week, that's week with two E's, not an EA, the previous week was too strong, too much driven by short covering, too much of a reaction to Bank of England comments, and it was time to head back into the late October, early November range. And that's what we did. And now uh, in the current week, we are continuing weaker. And that's a week with two E's and then a week with an EA in that last sentence. So uh, as far as the economic data coming up, we had New York Fed Empire State Manufacturing this morning, not a big market mover. Retail sales tomorrow, probably the headline of the week, expected at 1.2 versus a 0.7 previously. And uh, housing starts building permits on Wednesday, Philly Fed and jobless claims on Thursday. Um, economic data has been mixed, been a mixed bag. Uh, there's criticism of the Fed. Are they behind the curve? Are they making the right decisions with respect to inflation? And uh, there's a lot of discovery to happen, a lot to play out. COVID case counts leveled off and maybe rising again, and that could help underpin um, the supportive environment for rates, but we will, we're waiting with bated breath, let's put it that way, to see how things shake out for this transitory inflation narrative as that is 
currently uh, going to be a big market moving consideration for 2022. Yeah. Transitory inflation. There you go. That's a good one. It's true. <laughs> Les has yeah. been more right than wrong in a lot of these calls that he's made. But man, there's sometimes when you see these some of the data that's out there and some of the trends, it's, it seems counter in, uh, counterintuitive. But you know, he's been more right than wrong. Love it. And so have you. Your screen's always hot. It's really great. What else you got for us, Matt? Uh, that's all I got for today, other than, you know, the uh, licking on lending code for uh, your lending. David Kittle cracks me up. He calls me licking on lending, licking on lending. That's every time he answers the phone. That's what he always says. So I said, we may use that chime one of these days, Kittle. So uh, David Kittle, everyone knows who Kittle is. Anyway. Love you, Kettle. Anyway, yes, looking on lending. Go put in LOL in the code or signing up, and you get what, Matt? You get double the free time and a streamlined sign-up process, no credit card requirement. Double, double, double. double. I love that. Oh, and that's on right. mbslive.net. We should probably tell them what we're talking about, <laughs> mbslive.net. Exactly. Yeah, the .net. I mean, first time. It took me a little while to get the .net down, so don't do the .com. .net. .net it. You got anyway. it. Matt, appreciate you, bud. You got a great product, a great service. It is so valuable. Let's go get Jack Nunnery in here. Come on, Jack. You got a comment and opinion about these rates. So, Jack, you know, you know first of all, I think it's yeah. uh, uh, noteworthy to point out that in the week ending uh, November 11th, um, you know, the 30 year fixed rate dipped back under 3%, David, to 2.98. So, um, you know, nothing yeah, like that's- a good. Um, that's that's but, Freddie you know, Mac's take, but uh, that it should always be noted that that is that lags reality, and it's really a Monday versus Monday report. And so by the right. time that came out, rates had already jumped back up. So the average right. lender is is definitely well over that now, and um, it's sometimes a little frustrating that that lags reality as much as it does, and it, it can create some confusion when borrowers come to loan officers and saying, hey, where's my 2.98? Well, that, you could have gotten that four days ago, maybe, but not anymore. That's a good point, uh, Matt. Uh, you know, uh, the borrow confusion issue. You know, but Matt, the one thing that, you know, I kind of uh, dove into over the last couple of days was I was looking at our, our trying to find correlation between transitory inflation and, and uh, you know, the, uh, an increase in yield in the bond market. And, and so, I, you know, I, I saw some graphs that, you know, really overlaid the two from 1870 all the way up to 2021. And, and um, you know, there was periods of, of, you know, a quick burst or surge in transitory inflation in 1880, 1900, 1920, World War II, uh, the Carter and, and it was only in World War II and the Carter administration that we saw a strong correlation between uh, an increase in, in, in the bond market uh, uh, with a uh, correlating to an increase, uh, a, a substantial burst in inflation. And, and I hmm. thought that was kind of interesting, you know, as I, you know, try to, put all this together and, you know, uh, uh, look forward in this market, uh, you know, there was just, you know, absence of strong correlation uh, between the two. So um, I don't know what that means. Well, I don't know. It's a tough one. I think uh, 
2009 is probably a good a good case study, and it has been for uh, a lot of reasons with the the big moves post COVID. But l- then, like now, the big uptick in inflation followed a big drop due to some shock. So in 2020 it was COVID, and you know 2009 was the financial crisis, and I mean it really occurred in late 2008. But yeah, in 2009, then yields and inflation rose together with a, a strong amount of correlation, actually stronger then than, than the current one. Um, but yeah, it, I, I don't really know what else to say about it other than 2009 is the only other real good example I see. And, and even then, how do you compare COVID to uh, an economic crisis when, you know, the economic crisis sort of was its own, its own uh, source root cause. And COVID mm-hmm. was the root cause for uh, not yeah. an economic crisis, but for a lot of market turmoil. Yeah, it's uh, true. And I'm sitting thinking about this. I'm thinking of Les's report, which is projecting you know, where he sees things going forward, looking kind of things. And then I kind of see you as Sergeant Joe Friday of the old Dragnet series. <laughs> Nothing but the facts, man. Nothing but the facts. Here's the facts. Here's what's happened. So that's, <laughs> that's I boring. see yeah. It's not boring. It's really important. We got to have the facts, and then it's fine to those the prognosticators that do so. I think that's really, really good. And I, I love Jack's, you know, jumping in on that, um, on that. But as I was listening to you talking, hey, uh, this is the facts. This is nothing but the facts. So we may know, we may name your series the Dragnet series, dude. I'm saying you, you are born now. That Sergeant, Sergeant Friday. Sorry, ma'am. Nothing but the facts. All I report on the facts. My website does facts. We do that. And you do it really well. Get signed up for it. Appreciate you, Matt, for being here. Appreciate you. And uh, you bet. All the best. Have a great week up there. You too. You know, we were talking earlier, just before the show started, Alice was tacking, talking to us. We're going to go to Alice Alvey, who's CMB, Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home Mortgage, the legislative update. But before we start the podcast, Jack was talking about how he's having to put on sunscreen. And Alice says, well, we had our first touch of snow. This is the, you know, the north versus the south, you know, when we're dealing with weather changes. Alice Alvey, you got your warm and woolies on up there. And Jack's putting on sunscreen. So what can you say? Good to have you here with the legislative update. Oh, thanks, everybody. Yes, and uh, not that he's listening, but happy birthday to my husband today. And so uh, I'm like, I'm doing the radio show, and I'm out of here, even if it is a little cold and wintry. Yeah, winter showed up, as I said. So uh, anyway, just a quick update. Uh, The main thing in a lot of press about Zillow's fix and issues and uh, how that hit their balance sheet, and some of the interesting focused on just general business and the reliance on an algorithm, right, to make your business decisions. And uh, in our world, you know, the condition of the property at the end of the day is not something that an algorithm can necessarily see. So Mm -hmm. as we all look at the appraiser challenges, getting appraisals timely, having enough appraisers in the market, and really want Fannie and Freddie to step up to the plate to give us more property inspection waivers, that works to a point. And as lenders, I think there's always a little bit of caution in there of, you know, let's for the great loans, uh, the ones we have lots of confidence in the market. But we have a lot of market dynamics going on today where buyers are potentially overpaying, not sure how long the values are sustainable. And 
uh, this challenge of how much can we rely on the algorithm versus actually seeing the property. So uh, some business lessons there that we're all going to keep watching. There's still players in that market, but uh, that was a big hit that I think is an eye-opener for uh, still getting eyes on a property on those higher-risk loans. Then the second thing I wanted to, uh, just another piece in the news, just the lessons learned. The National Community Reinvestment Coalition filed a complaint with HUD on two lenders, and this is when matched pair testing, which we've talked about years, that the matched pair testing, the idea of I'm going to, as a nonprofit, I'm going to go test lenders in a particular market and send out one buyer uh, who's a minority and another prospective buyer who's a non-minority right. and give them names so that based on the names, you know, an individual may have a perception of what that the racial or uh, ethnic background may be of that individual and see if I'm treated differently just by a simple over-the-phone mm -hmm. discussion. And, you know, my talk here isn't about those two lenders doing anything in particular. It's about as an industry as a whole, we have to be aware of this, that we have to treat people fairly all the way down to how timely am I returning people's phone calls, yep. how am I treating them in servicing, and making sure I'm offering everybody similar products as they uh, make these inquiries. And so here's, you know, two lenders who are going to make the headlines because this is being brought up by a nonprofit. What they do is present their case to HUD. Um, so HUD has not picked this up yet. It's under review, so that's a real important distinction, that it's not a federal agency that's citing the lenders for any wrongdoing. Uh, but it's just a real good reminder that uh, as lenders everywhere, we have to really talk to our teams regularly about how uh, matched care testing works and how our responsibility to consumers to treat them all equally. Uh, so when we use the term of equal and and fair lending it's mm -hmm. literally loan officers have to have good habits of doing the same thing over and over again oh, uh, with similar products being offered to everybody so i'll i'll uh, leave it there dave for everybody to have just a gut check on their yep. fair lending and take a look at it make sure you understand your humda data and uh, your rates of withdrawal and that's the customers to focus on and survey to find out hey why didn't you go with uh, my company yeah, and what do we need to point. do better to make sure we keep your business? I always say good compliance is just simply great customer service. So uh, back to you, Dave. It's good. Good job, Alice. By the way, we're having some audio issues there. Hearing you, it's like, I don't know if your finger went over the microphone. Oh. A couple of things about that. There, all of a sudden, you're crystal clear again. It's something was like you were going in and out. sounded like you were in the middle of something. But I didn't want to interrupt because I was hanging on oh, every sorry. word you said. <laughs> Oh, I think my headset might have been kicking in and out then, so I yes, apologize it was. for that. That's what it was. The headset was kicking in and out, but, you know. Hey, you're going to go celebrate Andy's, your husband Andy's birthday. Uh, that is so awesome, and be sure to wish him a happy birthday for me. Folks, we have had so much fun with Alice and Andy uh, when we're together as, uh, you know, up there in Michigan where, where they used to live. We have had some of the best times. This is a, these are both dear, dear friends of mine, and Alice, be sure to give him my best. What a neat guy he is. I He's will. such a man's fan, and I love that guy. He I is. really do. I really think the world of you, too. And then you guys have been married for how many years? It's been like you guys married in high school or just out of high school or something. It's just so much so uh, fun. Just, yeah, we've been married 43 years. 43 years. I love it. I love it. Such a great story. And, uh, again, wish him happy birthday. And uh, can't wait to 
get up there and see him again. Go break some bread and have a glass of wine with him. It's <laughs> never a boring man. That's great. All right. Come on up in January. Okay. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Refresh my – remind me why I live down south. Come up north. It'll remind you why you live south. Anyway, Alice, thanks so much. Appreciate it so much. Folks, Alan uh, Alan Pollock normally would be here with us at this text segment. (laughs) He texted me. He says, hey, I'm sorry. I can't make it. I'm stuck in a tech outage. Now, when the head of the tech update is stuck in that tech outage, what can you say? So anyway, I'm going to tell you a couple of things that we were texting back and forth. And, and uh, Jack, you could jump in on this. But one of the things I'm Al and I just love chatting on, you know, some people talk about sports. Some people talk about us. I mean, we enjoy the sports. Some great games over the weekend. Baylor game did a really, really well over the weekend. Our daughter went to Baylor and it's been years. But, uh, you know, when you've got to send that much money to the school. You have a test to keep following the football team. Anyway, Baylor did well. Uh, but we were talking, Al and I get together, we talk about innovation. And so I am on uh, during a workout Saturday morning, during my normal workout, and I, I love, you know, tooling around YouTube. I get stuck in YouTube, and I was listening to this one thing about this one um, particular technology channel that I was listening to, and they talked about a company, um, several companies in there that are taking through drones and delivering uh, quickly, rapidly, rapid deployment of medical supplies. Now, the company in uh, Southern California, we're going to find some of those links. I'll put it in there for you. But I was texting Alan. I was going, Alan, you got to look at that. So I was counting. I didn't write down any of my notes or any of that on that. But there's this one company called Zipline. It started in Uganda. Now, our daughter, or both of our daughters, have gone to, uh, excuse me, started in Rwanda. They both went to Rwanda and did some missionary work over there. They were just really, really cool and helping when they were in college and traveling, wanting to travel the world. Uh, a little expensive. I think I got to send them a whole lot of money and save money, but there's nothing like the experience of being there with the, with the people and we're living there with them. And so they're both were doing, so I really caught my attention. What are they doing there? Cause it is very mountainous and Kigali is the main city. there, very modern, very up to date, but you get outside of Kanga- Kigali. I think I've said that right. Probably slaughtered that. Um, the roads deteriorate. You try to get there. And they talked about the story about how long it takes to get medicine from Kigali and get it into the back country where someone's there. And they showed several uh, times where it takes up to four hours. Well, this guy, a Stanford dude, graduated and created this drone delivery service. They designed a unique delivery system. We'll put the show notes in there because Al and I were going to talk about that. It shows like what can happen in a more unregulated industry, while the re- uh, country. Now, again, there's regulations when it comes to flight. Uh, but it's not like we have here in the U.S., which the FAA, a Federal Aeronautics Association, um, really looks on and controls what goes on and what can fly and where it can fly and all that sort of stuff. Whereas in Rwanda, there is a, um, a little bit less. Same thing. They then expanded to Uganda. But I've got to put this note in there. So they launched these these pretty decent-sized airplanes with immediate supplies, and they can get it out with they can launch within 15 minutes of getting the order. These things fly totally autonomously through the mountains. They have, they have to stay kind of basically hug the ground, says the founder. And they move. There's co-founders of this. And they move through the countryside, and then they get over the spot, and they draw, open the doors, and out comes this parachute. And, and it's flying about 20, I don't know, how many, pretty close to the ground. And it drops it right there where it needs to. The medical staff goes out and gets that medication, takes it into the person that needs it. So they're responding. In almost all cases, they can get 
supplies out there in 45 minutes versus four hours. That's life or death. There's another company now that's doing logistics delivery through smaller drones in Australia. You can order up a hot cup of coffee. And if, so, Jack, I'm thinking about you. I was talking to Jack, and he was out on the fishing boat, on the boat. And I called, he said, I'd love to take your call, Dave. I'm, I'm out here uh, <laughs> on the boat. And uh, uh, I was thinking about you, Jack, because you could have had a hot cup of coffee, sushi delivered, some warm muffins or something out there while you're boat because yeah. it drops it it flies it out there and it has a cable system and it drops it down it hovers uh 20 feet above the location of the drop zone and then it drops it by a cable unhooks and leaves the package so there you go jack you can be out in your boat if you're in australia and you yeah. can get hot coffee delivered to you isn't that wild yeah now david just just for the listeners you know i did have a uh risk manager from a prominent warehouse lender uh, with me on the boat, so you know we were we you were, were yeah, of course uh-huh. and doing a little discussion on uh, you know um, some of the issues that are out in the space today. So you you work like Andy Alvey does, Alice's husband. He has so much fun. He's out in the wild. One of Alice has done more podcasts from from a fishing boat out <laughs> there floating with manuals open. I so wanted a picture of this, and Andy's out there fishing. So, you know, you're out there doing work uh-huh, on a boat with one of the top warehouse. And that's a surprise, seeing as you're one of the – your uh, nunnery and warehouse lettering are almost synonymous for all that you've done. But I thought that was real innovation, real innovation, what we can do out there. So the point is, is that, folks, when you look at what is going on and what keeps innovation from happening, it's highly regulated areas and countries. That's what we got going on in the mortgage industry. I wonder how much – innovation is being stifled because of the regulations yet as alice said she brought out in her segment it's so important that we have some of the regulation especially when it comes to fair lending because there have been lending fair lending issues so i look at this we're going to be having a guy on by alan weiss alan weiss excuse me uh will be coming on with a new appraisal product i'm working i'm talking to alan i've had him on years ago as a guest i love what this guy did um and uh, we'll talk more about that. But we are desperate in need of innovation. Folks, when you see what's going on there, what a potential is, I look at how this could reinvent our industry. I believe we're going to be seeing out of the blue stuff that you never could imagine before. And uh, I believe it's coming to us. And so we miss Alan Pollock on the podcast, but I want to share about with you. And we'll put links in this podcast. Nikki, remind me to get those links over to you so that you can see these links that are going on and the innovations happening in logistics delivery. It's going to reinvent the world, folks. Pretty exciting stuff. Anyway, Alice, speaking of you, maybe you could sit out in the back of that boat, whatever you and your husband are going to be doing for fun today. Imagine having a drone, just ordering up a hot cup of coffee and surprising him, having a drop from from 20 feet above you. That'd be cool. That'd be fun. I wonder if they deliver beer. <laughs> so I thought, what's the weight limit for Andy? It'd be it'd be a six pack. It'd be a six pack for sure. Oh, I love it. Anyway, so good stuff, Jack. You may see a drone hovering overhead. We'll practice our new logistics delivery system for looking on lending. Anyway, folks, that watching. wraps up. You'll be watching for it. That's good. Well, folks, that wraps yep. up the first part, half of the podcast. Again, this podcast broken in. When you're listening on a downloaded basis, it is broken into two halves. The weekly update, the mortgage update, where we cover all the stuff we just covered. 
And then we move into the Hot Topic segment, which we're going to do. Now, if you're listening live, stay right here. We're just going to move right into the Hot Topic segment with this little transition. Again, folks, thanks for being here with the Look at Unlending podcast. Now, let's move into the Hot Topic segment. We have as a special guest, Peter Paglia, Chief Strategy Officer and Chief Revenue Officer at HomeBinder. And we're going to be discussing how home buyers helping lenders become more valuable to their referral partners and also creating a greater level of stickiness. How can we hold on to the borrower through that experience and have a repeat customer? We badly need it. So we're excited to get into that discussion. And Peter goes by Pete, so not showing disrespect. But Pete, good to have you on the podcast, friend. Good to have you here. Hey, David. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. You bet. Well, first of all, I always like to get to introduce when we have a new guest on, like yourself. Um, I always like to get our audience to let you, let them get to know you a little bit. So tell us a little bit about your journey, your background, uh, and what has led you to Homebinder. Sure, sure. Thank you very much. By the way, I'm also in the Northeast, so uh, here in New England. So it's uh, winter is uh, is not far away. So I uh, wish no. I were down south. Uh, Love but, it. Uh, again, thank you. Very much for the for the time. I really appreciate it. You guys do so much important work for the mortgage industry. Uh, very very valuable stuff. Um, uh, in terms of my background, David, you know, I'm, you've mentioned drones. Uh, you know, I've spent my entire career really in technology, uh, mostly mm-hmm. in the venture backed technology space. You know, building tech companies. I've got an engineering background, so you know, like mm-hmm. most engineers, my mindset is uh, about solving problems. And uh, I've always had a particular passion for figuring out how technology, back to your point about drones, can solve complex business issues. And really, this has led me into the startup world uh, throughout my career in uh, markets such as mobile, telecom, IoT, and, and automotive. And, you know, coincidentally, you know, one of the things that you talk about with unregulated drones is, you know, interference. And a lot of the things that we used to work on is uh, how to mitigate interference, uh, you know, when drones are flying or even autonomous vehicles are, are driving. So lots of uh, impacts, uh, you know, for technology on the business. Um, and, you know, in terms of, you know, what these markets have in common is, is uh, you know, there's an interdependent ecosystem and all of these businesses are trying to solve hard problems for the consumer. And, you know, that's really where I've spent a lot of my time in my career, really working with businesses to determine, you know, how they, uh, how they can deliver high value and sustainable value for the, uh, for the end user. Um, now, uh, with regards to Homebinder, I, I actually met uh, the founder, Jack Hunters, back in 2019 and immediately fell in love with the concept of what, uh, what Jack was building. Um, you know, Jack is trying to solve a problem for homeowners that, you know, quite frankly, many businesses have tried and, and failed or, or certainly not being successful at, which is automating home management. And, and what, what, uh, what we're doing and uniquely is, is we're, we're trying to automate home management by working with the businesses that serve the homeowner and mm-hmm. doing it in a way that is not just adding value to the, to the business itself, but at the end of the day, driving engagement with the, uh, with the homeowner. And, and so really what that requires is it, it has to be trusted, it has to be private, it has to be reliable, and it has to be engaging so that the consumer will ultimately use it and at the same time businesses will see value in it. And, and this is not an easy problem to solve. It's something that's resonated with me because these are the types of things I've done in my career. And you know, I've been with Homebinder now for uh, over two years and uh, helping you know, lead the business strategy. So, uh, so here we are. Good. Very good. Well, I'm very good. I should give a shout out again to Jonah 
and uh, Carrie Milam of Depth PR. They're the ones that encouraged us and really introduced us. But the reason we're here is because a lot of our lenders face the challenge of staying connected with their buyers after closing. And I want to get your thoughts on the problem. And then we're going to get into a little bit about how you solve it. But what, what are you seeing this from your perspective, people struggling, Pete? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, David, while it's true that, you know, I, I guess I'd say staying connected with the, with the buyer after the loan is closed is an issue we're seeing consistently. It's not unique to the mortgage industry. And, you know, and more importantly, it's not just about staying connected. It's about staying connected in a way that is supportive, supportive to the client so that they want to continue the relationship after the transaction. And quite honestly, we see this throughout various businesses servicing the homeowner. If you think about the insurance industry, for instance, um, you know, agents tell us all the time that uh, homeowners reach out for two basic reasons. One is to uh, file a claim or a second is to compare rates when they're looking at, um, you know, maybe a, a renewal. And both are very transactional. And so insurance providers, by and large now, are starting to look at ways to be less transactional and thinking more about being supportive about the long-term relationship with their with their client in a way that not only benefits the homeowner, but can retain that relationship. So, so coming back to the mortgage industry, we know statistically retention rates are quite low. You alluded to this at, at the outset. Yep. Many of you followers know the stat from Black Knight that 82% of borrowers will work with a different loan servicer for the next transaction. Crazy. It, it's incredibly high. And, and you know, we see this as the highest, uh, you know, within, within across all the businesses with which we work. And, but we believe at the same time that, that because this transaction is so important, that mm -hmm. it represents a great opportunity to improve that churn rate by engaging differently. Uh, you know, what do I mean by that? I mean, I mean, you've got the opportunity to reimagine the role that uh, a lender plays within borrowers' lives. Uh, technology is available, right, increasingly necessary in order to engage the borrowers early mm -hmm. to provide them an excellent client experience throughout the loan process something quite frankly borrowers have just come to expect right because if you're not doing it your competitors are but that approach is largely focused on delivering value just up to the point of closing and what gets missed often is that younger first-time homeowners that represent the largest demographic today are overwhelmed with the concept of managing their largest asset uh, we consistently hear questions and comments from homeowners with things like I have an HVAC filter and I need to service it. You know, where is it and who can help? Or yeah. I didn't realize I needed to sweep my chimney, right? So, <laughs> yeah. So while the or when the last of, time. Yeah. I mean, like the last time when we bought a house, I mean, we didn't have, we failed to ask the, the previous homeowner, you know, when was the last time you had the septic tank pumped or the, the couple, a couple of the other yes. things. I mean, those little details like that are just that, that really are, you know, a, to pass on. I want to get Allison in the discussion here because I think that where you're going with this is really starting to get exciting. Allison? Yeah, it is interesting because I, I think you're right. And, you know, even as a lender, I want to make sure that house is getting maintained. It's, there's a benefit in mm -hmm. it for the lender. So what can you, you know, what is it that you think a lender can do as a value add? We all love that we can stay connected with the borrower after closing. So um, what do you recommend? Yeah, great. Oh, thank you. So, so that's a yeah. So, so look, we we've done several surveys. Uh, you know, we work uh, with uh, not only the businesses, but ultimately our homeowners are are the end user here. And 
And so we found that 68%, that's over two-thirds of our new homeowners, are looking for help. They're looking for help to manage their home. Now, that can come in various forms. You know, some people, uh, I don't know about you folks, but, but I'm a fully organized person, and, and I'll use spreadsheets to organize things that, that I need to do, like fall maintenance. But, you know, I know I'm, I'm the outlier. Most people are looking for guidance. They're looking for help. And, uh, and ultimately, everyone wants to work with trusted sources. So, so the first thing I would suggest is start with education. And not to pick on millennials, but this is a demographic of homeowners that values being educated about home management because as a group, they just know less about home management. And we probably have examples, uh, you know, personal examples to, uh, to cite this. So, so I'd say we know some lenders do an excellent job at educating their clients. We've got some that, that provide things like an ebook that help manage their, um, uh, help homeowners manage their, their property. But, but I think what it matters, uh, what matters here is that the homeowner feels that the business wants them to be successful. And um, in fact, you know, you're, you're looking at buyers today that are using technology to manage every other aspect of their life, whether it's health or financial management and, and we hear often from people that, geez, I've got an app for everything else except my largest asset. So, so I'd say education is first. And then I'd, I'd say that, that, that deliver communication in a way that engages the borrower to want to take action. Right? So, mm-hmm. so what I mean by that, we've all received emails from businesses that say happy birthday or something similar. These are personal, these are nice, but you know, everyone's busy and, and, and these reminders don't rise to the level where homeowners want to take action. So, so I'd say that, that the action could be yeah. related to the maintenance. It could be related to preparing them for a weather event. It could be refinancing. You know, again, I see some businesses doing a very good job here, but, um, but things that are, you know, if you can implement actionable communication that, uh, that is going to benefit long-term that client, you're going to retain those relationships more. And, and that's really our approach here is we focus on peace of mind and home value. If we, can, if we can help homeowners in those two areas and help our businesses help homeowners in those two areas, then, then again, we believe we're educating and we're providing actionable, you know, communication. I, I like that term, Jack, in the nunnery. Uh... Actionable communication. How about that a novel concept? And then the stickiness that comes out. Your thoughts on all this? Well, you know, David, I, I, I'm loving what I'm hearing, right? Because uh, I know you, me, and many of your listeners, uh, you know, we've been the victims of a drip <laughs> ad campaign from the yeah. loan officer that did our house five years uh, ago. Uh, you know, it adds no value to me. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and noise and, and annoying. Noise. I don't like dripped on and I'm sure your listeners don't like getting dripped on either. Right. And and so what Pete's bringing to the table is is really value add to the first time home buyer for sure. Obviously, it could add value to uh, multiple, you know, someone who's owned multiple homes through their life. Mm-hmm. But. You know, what Pete was focused on was the millennials. Let's expand that a little bit to include first-time home buyers because I think that whole segment could benefit from, from home binder. But, you know, it, it leaves the realm of the drip ad campaign and takes it to a whole nother level. And, and I think what, what, you know, 
heat you're trying to create, you know, and this is a watch phrase for, for everybody that's listening to this podcast, is, is creating the culture that is client for life, right? I mean, that's what we're trying to do. And, and dripping on them periodically will never get you there, guys, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, providing value in, in your communication or your marketing campaign to your customers so that they become clients for life. Mm-hmm. So good. Absolutely. Good, yeah. How are you doing that? Talk about that. Yeah, so so we think about um so I said when we we talk about uh fundamental tenets being peace of mind and and um and you know home value. What what we do is we provide a home management platform, right? And so if I come back for for a second on you you, you talked about, you know, obviously in the top of the show about what's going on with with rates and you know, the market's been been hot clearly and um uh, you know, with rates on the rise, I saw an interesting stat last week that loan uh, refinance originations are going to expect it through the MBA to decrease 62% next year. So when you start to think about a more of a purchase-focused market, and you start to think about your, your tech stack, and you start to think about what you're implementing, not only in the customer acquisition side, you start to think about, okay, what can I do on the customer retention side? So so what what homebinder can do to help kind of uh, support that post close experience is is effectively a digital closing gift. So what we do is we're centralizing all aspects of home. again. I want to make sure it for could people be, heard, it's a, I want to hear that again. A digital closing gift. In other words, it's a correct. digital product you can have on your phone. I'm assuming is it a, is it a mobile based Yes, it's uh, it's mobile optimized uh, web portal that homeowners are going to be gifted when the loan is closed. And another important point on this is when I first saw this, heard about this, I go, oh, my gosh, my wife is going to love this because she's one of the spreadsheets and the reminders written down everywhere. And I go, she is going to love this. I tried to sign up for it as an individual. And you can't. It's one of those things at this point, the way you guys have a design, it's available only through the through the lender. Or I guess the realtor or something. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's absolutely. In fact, we used to offer this uh, direct to consumers, and we turned that function off. And it really points to what we're trying to do to help businesses. Is is we think by delivering this through businesses, we're not only helping those business partners because they only can deliver HomeBinder, but it also delivers more value to the homeowner. And I'll talk about why in a minute. It's it's really because of the automation we built in to to automate the data that comes into HomeBinder. So mm-hmm. so what what uh, when you get the, your digital closing gift, you're centralizing everything about home management. It it's, could be the closing docs. It could be your maintenance reminders, your appliance recalls, the home contractors that are in your area or that home contractors that your realtor or your home professional has recommended, projects, home value, right down to the proverbial paint colors by room. And uh, because HomeBinder is branded by the loan officer, and the realtor, it keeps the lender and the realtor top of mind in a way that is educational, back to the point earlier, being educational, supportive, and ultimately communicating in an actionable way. Yeah. So, you know, so we are – go oh, ahead. Sorry. Sure, sure, no, finish your thought there. So run, I was running over to Alice for I got a thought on this. I think it's so important. Go ahead. Sure. 
sorry for jumping on you there. I'd, I'd let you go. But while, while I've interrupted you, it's kind of broke your chain of Alice, I'm thinking about when you moved from uh, Michigan down to Ohio, and you made that move and you sold that home you guys have been in for so, so long. All the history that goes with that, with that house, this thing, when you did that, it's all those things. Literally down to where did you buy the paint and what's the paint number? Now, we buy our payment through Sherwood Williams. That's not a sponsor of our podcast. Or and we have the numbers written down in a book somewhere. But they, they, those numbers migrate. They change them up. and that. But the valuable information like that, Alice, for the new homeowner or Jack, you just built a new home. All the thought that went into this, hey, this is why I did this. I'm, this may sound a little funky in this part of the house, but here's why we did it. And it helps people appreciate the personality that goes into it. Alice, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree on both sides, right? I'm the homeowner who's trying to keep track so I can leave proper records behind. But then we moved into an area we didn't know anybody. So am I understanding your uh, app to also be providing information about service providers? Did I understand that? Yes, absolutely. So we we look at, um, uh, so first of all, we talk about, centralizing home ownership, home management, we really look at it from the, from the lens of we want, first of all, one place. We as homeowners ideally want one place to manage our home. We don't want to, to look mm-hmm. at business cards in your drawer to find that contractor or file cabinet to find documents uh, or financial records and yet, you know, a, another location. And, and so we're, first of all, looking to centralize every aspect of home ownership, including pros. So, are when when you go into your personal home binder, you're going to be able to track maintenance. You're going to be able to track appliance recalls. You're going to be able to add or complete projects, and um, and then you can search for pros that um, are effectively kind of a link. Think of it as a LinkedIn approach rather than a a pay-to-play type of service where. Your first, uh, we as homeowners are firstly going to want to work with home pros that we've worked with before, right? So. Those are folks that you may have added to your binder. Uh, secondly, would be professionals that were recommended by your realtor or your lender or your home inspector. Uh, and, and those pros can be added by those businesses to your binder for you. Mm-hmm. And then the, the third are people that maybe we trust because they've done a lot of jobs in our geographic area. You know, who has, what plumber has done a lot of work within 10 miles of my home? And so the homebinder community, as a result, has um, has pros that are populated in all of those three categories: those that you have worked with before, those with uh, those that your businesses have recommended, and they can add it into your binder for you, and then those that are in your geographic area. And we've got over 25,000 uh, and growing uh, pros that have been put into um, into homeowners binders as a result. Uh, that's that's. I mean, I started thinking about the possibilities of the stickiness of this, and that's really what this is about, listeners. We're trying to create way, ways in which you can connect and stick with the home buyer with meaningful things. I mean, oh, yeah, you appreciate the happy birthday stuff, but to be honest with you, it's, it's, it doesn't really bring the value. I mean, nice to be thought of, but you know that's coming out of a drip campaign or out of a CRM. It's not meaningful. Now, tell, send me something like, hey, it's the fall Here's the previous gutter companies that the previous homeowner used. You could the other, you know, here's other services in there. And what I'm wanting to get is how much, what boundaries do you put out? Is, is it only the homeowner that's the current homeowner that's creating the binder? 
or expanding the binder that they inherited. How does that work and what can go into it? Or can loan officers or loan originators or realtors add other services? Alice talked about moving into a new community like we did. We sold our, our, our home in Southern California, the business at home. We moved out to Texas. We didn't know where to go for dental or the doctors and all that. I mean, there was so much information that we we badly needed. One of our friends who used to live here uh, sent us a notebook that they had all the fun things to do, the top fun things to do when you move, when you live in Austin, Texas. So what are the things that go in that can, and who is putting that in there, that information in there? That's a great, great question, David. So firstly, you know, one of the cornerstones of, of the approach here, I talked about at the beginning, automating home management is, Automation is probably one of the most important aspects. Um, so we work across the ecosystem, whether you're a home inspector, whether you're a mortgage lender, an insurance provider, a contractor, a property manager, you know, anyone that can touch a residential uh, homeowner can be a business partner to HomeBinder. And uh, what we've done is we've built integrations across those different markets that will automate the population and the creation and the updates, quite honestly, of your home binder. And so Mm -hmm. in the mortgage industry, for instance, we've built automations, we've built integrations with um, Encompass on the LOS side and just recently announced an integration with um, Mortgage Coach. Oh, good. Yeah. Great to great. Yeah. And so with that, yeah, what that what that means effectively is when the loan closes through the through that integration that we've built, the binder automatically with zero work required by the loan officer, the binder gets created for that homeowner. The homeowner gets an email or text to accept their binder, and uh, and then when they accept their binder and they look look inside their binder, all the loan docs that have come in from the transaction are automatically populated in the document section. So that's that's one example. We think of, uh, you know, three ways binder data comes into a binder. One is, is, um, is certainly you and I as homeowners can, can enter anything we want, um, but more often it's coming in through either public sources like uh, automatic automated valuation tools, mm-hmm. ABMs, or through integrations that we've built, like you know things like in, in Compass. So. So that, that data can come in uh, through, uh, through an integration. That data can come in through, uh, you know, public record or in the case, for instance, of, uh, let's say, appliance recalls, you can use our technology to take a picture of that, that appliance and it loads, and then we'll load the, 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 uh, all the recall information for um, notifications that you would get, uh, you know, in the future on that appliance. So, 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 so various sources of, of, uh, of ways data gets into your binder. You know, as I'm thinking about this, Jack, I'm thinking about what this could do if you're in a competitive area and you're trying to sell your home. Now it's really a seller's market, so <laughs> your home's for sale. It's probably going to get bought. But when you, if this thing flips, it gets into more of a competitive market. I mean, if you're looking at two homes are about the same and you know one has a home binder attached to it, you know, could that be enter into a decision on uh, which home you buy? Because the data you know, the, it's uh, so valuable when buying a home. Well, David, think about it. I mean, if I were to go buy a used car, what is mm-hmm. one of the first things that I car want fact. to – Car fast, right? So yeah. here I'm going to get, you know, the history on the home. I'm going to get, you know, data around uh, appliances. I'm going to get – data around 
uh, uh, service providers. I mean, yep. you know, look, Pete had me when he said it's branded, uh, you know, uh, for the lender, and two, a loan officer doesn't have to do anything to set up the home right. buyer for the consumer. And I, you know, what a tool. What a tool. Yeah. Alice, I'm thinking about when you move. You move you go ahead. Go ahead. Please, please. Jump on no, I was just going to say, Jack, you mentioned the, you know, the Carfax. We hear that analogy quite often. One of the things that's very cool about, you know, our, our vision is that ultimately you and I as homeowners would never buy a home without a home binder attached to it, right? You want to know the history and, 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 and the people that have worked with and on that uh, home. And, and so while the home binder is certainly branded by the businesses and the businesses can contribute to your binder, you're going to engage with your binder if you know that it's private, if you know that it's trusted and um, uh, it's reliable, right? So your binder is private to you during the course of that ownership and all the home value, everything that you've done, all the capital improvements, everything that's been going into that home and all the maintenance that you've done is being curated inside your binder. But when you go to sell that home, with simple mm-hmm. clicks of, of a few buttons, you can curate a public-facing version of, uh, of your private binder, which is a seller report, which, mm-hmm. you know, the analogies we hear is Carfax for the home or Ancestry.com for the home. And, and now you're not only, and we've got realtors that have done this, you're not only maximizing the transaction value, but you're, you're passing on the, uh, to the next owner information that will be so valuable so they're not starting from the beginning. And, and we're, 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 that's one of the reasons why the company was built, is to really build out that seller report at the end of the day where we know that, that given the choice of buying a home with or without a, a home binder seller report, all else being equal, you're, you're going to go to the home with a home binder. Yeah. It's a great – yeah. Great, yeah, go ahead, Jack. Pete, earlier, you know, you were, you know, saying about spreadsheets and business cards. That's the world I live in. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I have a spreadsheet. Uh, and I have a bunch of business cards in the top drawer of my desk, right? I mean, so, you know, taking that and putting it in, uh, you know, this tech platform makes so much sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great tool. I, so, Alice, I, I'll go to you for the last comment here, and we've got to wrap this up. It'll be there. We could go so many different directions, but your thoughts as we think over it, Alice? The marketing tool seems just so obvious, like, oh, duh. But there's so much other value that just comes from it, how we can stay in touch with customers. I think so, too. And I think uh, it sounds like it's really user-friendly, right? So at the end of the day, it's it's a great idea, but it's got to be something that people want to pick up and use. So can you tell us a little bit about what the user experience is like and, and how would you describe its use? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So we define engagement really in two ways with the homeowner because at the end of the day, for it to provide value to the, both the businesses and the homeowners, homeowners have to want to use it. And so, you know, on our, our analytics show that homeowners are going to engage in their binder and do, when I say engage, they're going to do something, whether it's adding a project or, or, or checking their home value uh, four and a half times a year, which is, which is kind of our goal, right? You're not going to go into your home binder weekly, but you're kind of going to go into it maybe more than once a quarter. And so, Again, every time they go into their binder, the businesses that support them are branded. The second way that people engage in the user experience is uh, primarily through notifications that are these actionable maintenance reminders. So they'll get these uh, uh, branded maintenance reminders about six to eight times a year, 
And again, because they're property specific, they're very actionable, they're relevant, but we see 50% engagement rates. And so you're not going to get that from a, from a CRM clearly, because again, this is not a happy birthday. This is, mm-hmm. this is something that is very property specific. And because it's branded, the homeowner can now take action. If it is a refinance opportunity, obviously they can reconnect with their lender. If it is something that is more maintenance related, they can reconnect with the pro. And, and, and so those are the two ways we track engagement is, is those 50% maintenance reminders uh, off of maintenance reminders. And then, you know, a little over once a quarter, you know, people are going into their, their, their platform and actually, uh, you know, doing something. Pretty amazing stuff. I know we've got many listeners that are probably want to get a hold of you. Dan Alley comes to mind with uh, Texas VA Mortgage and up in Dallas, he always texts every podcast. He's so predictable. Dave, can you introduce me to your guest? Can you introduce me to this guest? So we're going to spare Dan, Dan uh, calling me or, or texting me afterwards. So how can people get a hold of you? Sure, sure. So first of all, um, you know, if you haven't been on our, our site, it's um, homebinder.com. Um, there's some interesting videos there as well as a homeowner video that, yeah. that in 90 seconds will tell you what, uh, what you'll get as a homeowner from, from Homebinder, from a business partner. If you uh, would like to reach out to me directly, it's, uh, it's Pete at homebinder.com. Oh, that's pretty easy. Pete. I love it. Yes. Yeah. I love short, short to the point. There you go, Dad Alley. Now you- <laughs> Allie, you can call me anytime. I love Dan Allie. He's a hoot of a lot of guy. Great idea. Always looking for new ideas. I love people taking action on these podcasts. Listeners, take action on this. It's really, really important. Uh, again, happy birthday to Alice, uh, husband, Andy. I hope you guys have a great time. If you're out there, look for a uh, drone overhead dropping a six-pack of beer down to you wherever you guys are at. And then, uh, Jack, thanks so much for joining in with us again. Uh, Pete, it's been very informative. We really appreciate you being here and um, encourage our listeners to get a hold of us. Thanks for coming on. And really, again, another shout out to Def PR and Jonna for um, who handles your account, and of course Carrie, who owns the firm, uh, for helping us bring this kind of current information to our listeners. Very good. Appreciate it much. Thank you All again, right. David, Jack, Alice. Yeah, it's great to have you, Pete. Sorry, there's a little delay there. and Sometimes we get delayed. We speak over each other. Don't mean to do that, but thanks so much for being here very much, Pete. Look forward to having you back again. Keep us posted on how the progress is in your company. Folks, next week we're going to have Dale Larson III and Dale Larson Jr. Now, Jr. is the dad and Dale III. It's a father and son team that started Modex, M-O-D-E-X, one of our sponsors. We're going to have them come on and start talking about recruiting some of the latest stuff that's going on in this area because many people are looking at this next coming season where we're going to be who we're going to be recruiting to how can we do that so we've invited dale and dale dale jr and dale the third come on the podcast and talk to us uh next week talk about some of the latest developments in that area i look forward to all your feedback listeners for what you're wanting on the podcast we're getting a lot of what we do we we respond to specific requests so love the feedback be sure to share this with others i want to say a thank you to our sponsors finastra the CMLA, Lenders One, Incelerate, Mobility MMI, Modex, MBA, Knowledge Coop, Mortgage Collaborative, Snapdocs. Check them all out on our website. Look at unlending.com. We'll look forward to having you back here at next, this, this week from now, everyone. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Thank you. 
You've been listening to Licken on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Licken of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.